On this episode, it's going to be solo, just me, in your earballs. Last week, I had two awesome micro-adventures. I call them micro-adventures. Well, I call them adventures because that's how I like to see the world. If you go off on an adventure, you'll discover something new. You'll see something different and have a unique experience pretty much every time. So every time I travel, I consider it an adventure. And the adventure that I went on last week was an adventure to the Consumer Electronics Show. It's known as CES. And CES is, and these aren't my words, okay? I'm going to read this straight off of the CES website. CES is the most influential tech event in the world, the proving ground for breakthrough technologies and global innovators. This is where the world's biggest brands do business and meet new partners and the sharpest innovators hit the stage Owned and produced by the Consumer Electronics Association, CES features every aspect of the tech sector. And of course, me, being the sprinkler nerd and an irrigation technology consultant, I had to be at this show, okay? It was like I had goosebumps even thinking about going to this show. What is going to happen with consumer electronics and how are these devices going to influence our industry? So I'm going to roll the intro and that's what we're going to talk about. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. All right, I'm back, and I want to share one of the products funny. It's, it's, I call it a product. It's actually a plant. But I want to share one of the things that I saw at CES that is not exactly related to irrigation or landscape, but it's about a plant. So one of the most fascinating products that I saw at CES was something called a neoplant. A neoplant is the first and only plant built to purify the air in your home. You might be thinking, well, plants already purify the air in your home. But a neoplant has been bioengineered. I think that's a better term than genetically modified, but it's been bioengineered. The DNA has been changed. At least that's what they told us, told me to be 30 times more effective than one house plant. So the neoplant being a pathos, apparently if you buy one, it's like having 30 house plants. And so that's just one example of what might be coming in the future is that this technology is going all the way down into the DNA of plants and that you might have a choice in the future. Let's say you're at Target and you're going to buy a house plant. You might have two choices, the inexpensive commodity standard house plant as we know it right next to it. It looks identical. You might see a neoplant that has been bioengineered to be equivalent to having 30 houseplants or be able to be able to um, filter the air, if you will, 30 times more effective than a standard houseplant. So I thought that was really fascinating because it's kind of, um, you know, space age to think that you might have a bioengineered plant in your house. And the other thing that I thought was interesting from a business perspective is that, is that these plants do not reproduce from seed. Okay, they have to be grafted with a cutting or a clipping and grown from that clipping. And what the neo plant, you know, business, if you will, is looking for are U.S. greenhouses. So if you're listening to this and you have a large greenhouse operation, you might have an opportunity to get a contract with neo plants to 
graft and grow the plants for distribution. And I think that anytime a business can diversify what they're doing and do something new and have some type of exclusivity that could increase profit margins, it's a win. So if I had a greenhouse, I would be looking to grow neoplants. So maybe if you have a greenhouse or you know someone that has a greenhouse, tell them to take a look at neoplants. All right, now we're going to jump back to our regularly scheduled programming. On tap was my adventure to, again, to CES. And I, I think that I really decided to attend this year because the, you know, it's the Consumer Electronics Show, because I see, I see this as almost like my calling. I like to go out, go out into the future, see what it looks like, and then bring information back home to share with everyone else. And by everyone else, I really mean to share with you, you, the listeners. So last week, I took a trip, let's say, into the future. And this concept is something that I want to share with you on this episode, you know, about taking a trip into the future. And to preface this and to keep my thoughts moderately organized, I'd like to frame it around a specific thought concept. And the concept is, what are you optimizing for? Think about that. Ask yourself that question. What are you optimizing your life for? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? What are you optimizing for? I asked this question because last week I was asking myself this question. And it came up kind of on my radar because I was reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. If you haven't read Atomic Habits, it's a fantastic book. I highly recommend that you read it or that you listen to the audio. Or as James Clear, the author, says himself, read a book like a hawk searching for prey. You don't need to read the whole book. Just go looking for key moments of inspiration. And we'll talk about that more later. But back to what are you optimizing for? For me, I've chosen to optimize for impact. And this is what I you know, thought about as I was traveling to CES last week. I want to optimize for impact. And I think that I already have been optimizing for impact. I just didn't know quite how to describe it in the right way. So what this means is that for me, in my life, in my job, what I do is that I don't want to make the most amount of money. I'm not optimizing for that. I don't want to have the biggest team. I'm not optimizing for that. I don't need to have the largest business. I'm not optimizing for that. What I do want is to make the largest impact that's possible. So that's what I'm optimizing for, impact. Specifically, first, I want to make the largest impact in the irrigation industry. Just in our, in our little sliver of the universe, the irrigation industry, I want to make an impact. Second, I might be able to impact a greater landscape industry, perhaps, and maybe after that, I could impact every person who would like to carve their own path. How can I impact? How can I help you if you're listening now? How can I impact you and help you carve your own path? That is my why. I want to create impact, influence change, and we will hit on change a little later. Either in this episode, well, I might not get to impacting change on this episode. Maybe, if not, it'll be on the next episode. So instead of optimizing for money, ego, status, etc., I realized 
last week traveling to CES that I optimize for time. Time is my currency. And wasting my time is the number one reason I often become triggered or annoyed, right? If, if I know there's a better, easier way to do something and I'm forced to do it the slower way or the people that I'm around, I can't get on board to doing it the better way, I tend to get really frustrated, okay? And if you know me, then you already know this. <laughs> I, I know people listening to this, they're like, oh yeah, Andy, I, I know this. <laughs> I know this, but I didn't stop to think about why. Why would I get frustrated in the past? It's because time is my currency and I want to create an impact. So it comes down to, for me, it comes down to efficiency, execution, and effectiveness and experimenting with this, making changes and trying again. And that's kind of my personal flywheel right? How can I make this more efficient? How can I execute on it? How can I measure the effectiveness? Did it work? Is it more efficient? That's my experiment. And it constantly goes around and around and around. If, if I'm in the kitchen cutting vegetables for dinner, I'm going to cut them a different way every time just to see what happens, just to see if there's a better, more efficient way to cut that vegetable based on the food that I'm making. Because that's just how my mind works, okay? So let's get back to how this relates to CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show. So I've talked about this concept of becoming your future self. And if you're new to the show, go listen to episode 91. I talk specifically about that. It's titled Becoming Your Future Self. And to become your future self, and in this case, becoming my future self, means creating impact. And in order to do this, it all starts with what I think about, what I think about, okay? Who I learn from, what I consume, and what I create. So let me read that again, because I actually like the way that sounds. For me to become my future self means creating impact. And in order to create impact, it all starts with what I think about, who I learn from, what I consume, and what I create. So the reason that I wanted to go to CES is so that I could put myself on the playing field, right? How can you win the game if you're not even on the field? So if I want to win the game at creating impact, I need to be on the playing field. And being on the playing field to me to create impact means I need to be on the field with smarter people than me so that I can learn from them, so that I can see what is coming, and what might have an impact. So I think that, let's see, how do, I, how do I re-say this? I think you've heard this expression before, and if you haven't, you've seriously been living under a rock, okay? The expression is, you are what you eat, okay? And I don't care if you believe that or not, I, I believe that you do become what you eat or that you are what you eat. Uh, but even if you don't believe that, I think it parallels to this, and this is what I... Uh, picked up from uh, the book, Atomic Habits, you become what you consume. So if you are what you eat and you become what you consume, then you should choose what you consume because that is a choice. You don't have to watch that video. You don't have to listen to that song. You don't have to listen to this podcast. But when you choose what you listen to, when you choose what you watch, when you choose what you say on social media, it is a vote for that. So I got good news. 
right? The good news is that because you're consuming this podcast, you will become a version of yourself influenced by the thoughts we share here, or the thoughts I share and the feedback you give me. And I say this because I want to make an impact, okay? So thank you so much for listening. And if I said that really quickly, remember, you become what you consume. So thank you for consuming this podcast. Let's make an impact. So now let me tell you my three takeaways from CES, okay? The actual three things that I learned that I think you might be interested in. Number one, well, first get your pen out, write this down or make a mental note, okay? The first thing, and this is, this is in no order of importance, okay? I'm just telling you three things that relate to our industry that I think you might find fascinating and that might be a glimpse, a little glimpse into the future, okay? Number one was that the landscape and irrigation industry was not there, okay? So Anybody that you think of that's in the landscape and irrigation industry, no booze, no new technology, nothing to show. I did run a search on the attendee list, and I saw one person that had Rainbird on their title. It was some kind of a, an engineer. So they might have been there, but um, the only brand that, that we know as an industry brand was Raccio, okay? They were there, as they should be, right, being a, a consumer electronic irrigation controller. But beyond that, what we would determine as a landscape and irrigation industry was not there. And I think this says a lot, okay? How important is technology to Hunter Industries if they're not at the show? How important is technology to Rainbird if they're not at the show? Remember what I said about becoming your future self is based on what you consume? right? That's what I was just talking about. So becoming yourself is based on what you consume, then I suggest you stop consuming technology advice from the likes of Hunter, Rainbird, Toro, etc. You can't count on this industry, the irrigation industry, to be your technology advisor, okay? And I maybe saying this is like opening up Pandora's box for me and my relationships with traditional manufacturers, but I'm serious, Okay. If you want to learn about technology, stop listening to industry and start listening to actual technology companies. Okay? So that was my first lesson. The first thing I learned, my first takeaway is our industry was not at the consumer electronics show. All right? Takeaway number two. This is a good one. And that is, it's actually interesting. You could agree or disagree with me, but this, again, is a thought of the future. Smart controllers is a commodity, okay? They're all the same. If you see a company and they call themselves a smart controller, they are voting to be just like everyone else, all right? And I'm going to explain why I think this. And there's, there are pieces of this that, that are differentiating, but in general, I believe a smart controller is now a commodity. And the reason I say this is because there was a new irrigation controller released at CES, and it was on a brand that you wouldn't expect. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this sink in for a minute. There was a company at CES releasing their very own smart controller. Okay, who could that be? Who could it be? Could it be Sony? Could it be Panasonic? Could it be LG? Who is in 
the consumer electronics space that might be releasing a controller? Hmm. Well, it's not an electronics company. I'm gonna, I'll put that out there. I keep thinking about it. Who could this be? All right. I'm going to give it to you. The company is Moen, M-O-E-N, Moen. They make water appliances, right? All kinds of things. Shower heads, sinks, they, they, uh, they make everything for water. And Moen is making it clear, it was clear by visiting their booth that they want to own all the water in the home. And when I mean own, they want to monitor and control and know where all the water is going inside the home. And they are, have released their first controller, outdoor controller, and it's just a, a faceless control box, okay? And if you think about in today's world, if you took any smart controller that you can think of today and, you, and, we, and we took it and we went back in time to 2008 and you put it in somebody's hands, I don't care what the brand is. You take a quote-unquote smart controller, we go back in time and we put it in someone's hands in 2008, they're, they're, they're going to be shocked. They're going to be wow. They're going to go, holy shit, this is fucking incredible. You mean I can get out a phone and I can turn on my sprinklers? This is incredible. Okay, And I'm saying that as if it was 2008. It's not 2008. It's 2023. And the control box that Moen is releasing is a faceless box I think it's a six and a 12 option. There's screw terminals on it. And if you think about what an irrigation controller does, it doesn't do a hell of a lot. It is not a sophisticated piece of tech. It's, it's barely tech, okay? You got 120 volts coming into the controller. You have a transformer. It converts it to 24 volts, and a 24-volt signal goes out to a solenoid and pops it open, okay? Then it's connected to Wi-Fi, that's it. That is all the controller does. Now, we know that there's variations of that. Yes, you can yell at me, depending on what manufacturer you are or what your preference is. But fundamentally, a controller sends 24 volts out to a solenoid and it connects to Wi-Fi. That is not technical, okay? And by Moen releasing their first smart irrigation controller, they're going to be... Uh, they're going to probably own a lot of the shelf space in DIY at the box stores, at Lowe's, at Home Depot, at Ace Hardware, you name it, probably Best Buy. They're going to own that space because they have more shelf space at hardware stores and box stores than anyone in our industry. Okay, Moen has, sells a lot more to the box stores than Toro, Rainbow, Hunter, etc. And I, I say this uh, with an assumption. I don't know this to be fact. I'm just assuming that they sell more to box stores and they own more shelf space than our industry. And here is Moen coming into our industry with a smart controller. And we tend to, we, the industry, tend to hold smart controllers on this pedestal. But there, it's, it's, in, it's over-the-counter technology that's a commodity. So if you are a irrigation manufacturer, my recommendation would be to differentiate. You cannot just be a Wi-Fi connected controller that turns a solenoid on because Moen has just said that's a commodity. You can buy it on the shelf at your box store. Okay. So that's my long way of saying that smart controllers as we know it is a commodity. We're going to wait and see, wait and find out what the next generation looks like. 
And I think that Moen will have the biggest impact first on probably on Rachio and Beehive, okay, because of their direct-to-consumer and, uh, you know, shelf space at the box store that they'll probably take and have the biggest impact on Beehive and Rachio. But to follow suit, I think Hunter will be affected and Rainbird will be affected on their, you know, what you guys might call homeowner level controllers. All right. So keep that in mind. Smart controllers is a commodity. You can buy this controller for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Let's say, I don't know. I can't remember the the exact price. So that was my second takeaways is that smart controllers have become a commodity. All right. Takeaway number three, this is my final one to end this episode uh, because it's actually getting late on Friday and I'm running out of time and I want to be able to spend more time talking about uh, change and change management and influencing change, which is also goes back to my, uh, my why of, of impact, of making impact. So my third takeaway from CES is staying right on the tune with Moen coupled with their smart controller was a soil moisture sensor. So not only is Moen putting a stake in the ground saying we're in the smart controller business, they are also saying and giving kudos, they're saying we believe soil moisture sensors is the technology of the future. Okay, They didn't have to release a soil moisture sensor, but they chose to. So they are releasing a wireless soil moisture sensor, and it's actually pretty cool. I would probably, for my home, I am definitely going to buy one and check it out, and I can't wait to report back to you guys on how it works and how it integrates, but their soil moisture sensor actually can measure moisture at three depths. So it can measure it at one inches down, three inches down, and five inches down. I think that I think that's how it works. And to date, every company as we know it, other than Baseline, you know, and of course I have a special place in my heart for Baseline because I've been promoting soil moisture sensors for 15 years and they don't play in the residential space. So this is a great indicator of the future, right? And my belief, you've heard me say this before, I believe ET is the only way to do predictive analysis. It's the only way to crunch numbers on a spreadsheet. It's the only one to only way to provide water use estimates, water use calculations based on futures. But it's not the right tool to make real-time decisions right now. So I think that by Moen releasing a soil moisture sensor to couple with their smart controller is basically... Um, it's basically signaling that they think soil moisture sensors are good too. And with another person entering the market, hopefully it raises the tide. So hopefully all manufacturers of soil moisture sensors benefit because they will help educate consumers, users, et cetera, of the technology. So I, I'm so thrilled by this. Because the work that I do with Baseline on the commercial specification institutional side of the business, we can now reference that there's another company that believes what we believe. So thank you, Moen, for releasing the soil moisture sensor. And I can't wait to buy one, test it, install it, and see how it works. So keep an open mind, guys. Not a lot of you understand how soil moisture sensors work, and it's not your fault because most of the big brands don't have one and haven't done a good job 
or any job of educating the market on slow moisture sensors. But it's here. I believe technology is coming from the bottom up. Here comes Moen entering with their slow moisture sensor. So get ready. The future is here. It is just not distributed yet. So I think that's all I have today. Uh, just kind of my mind riff on CES, why I went, and my three takeaways. Again, I'll, I'll just read them real quick. Number one, the irrigation industry was not there. So I would encourage you to stop listening to traditional irrigation manufacturers as it relates to technology. Okay, just the technology. You can listen to them for other things, just not the technology piece. Second takeaways is that smart controllers have become a commodity because the likes of Moen are releasing their smart controller. And that soil moisture sensors is the next revolution because it was just endorsed by Moen. So anyway, hope that got your brain spinning a little bit. I can't wait to come back next week and talk a little bit more about change. So that's what's coming up. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend, like, subscribe, leave a review. If you could, reviews are the best way to spread the word about what we're doing. Thank you so much. Have an awesome weekend and we'll catch you on the next episode.